turn in your Bibles tonight to the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 7. And while you're turning there, let me just say that tomorrow evening uh, there will not be prayer meeting here at the church. We're asking that you would gather your family together around 7 o'clock tomorrow evening and pray together with your family at home. And let's believe God to continue to work in our midst. I believe God's doing great things, and there are great things ahead. Amen. And I really do, I, I, I know sometimes we just kind of slide right by some things, but I really do believe that God is opening up the door of opportunity for this church. I've been preaching to you, and pastors have been preaching to you, that God is about to separate this church from every other church in this city. And I truly believe that, not to make us exclusive and not that we're any better than any other church, but I believe that the anointing and the hand of God is on this congregation and God is about to use you to manifest the miraculous and the supernatural in this city. Not in this sanctuary, in this city. Amen. Praise God. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 8. Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Whew. That's tough stuff right there. Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. You may be seated. I want to talk to you for a few minutes tonight about it's a matter of perspective. It's a matter of perspective. It's estimated that Fanny Crosby wrote more than 8,000 gospel hymns in her lifetime. Her hymns have been and are still being sung more frequently than those of any other gospel hymn writer. Her many favorites have been an important part of worship for over a hundred years. And one of my favorites that she wrote is a song that we don't sing much anymore, but it's simply entitled, Blessed Assurance. Blessed Assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchased of God, born of His Spirit, washed in His blood. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Now, if that were the end, that would be beautiful. But there's another verse that she wrote to that song. And it goes like this. Perfect submission. Perfect delight. Visions of rapture now burst on my sight. Angels descending bring from above Echoes of mercy and whispers of love. Now, for those of you that didn't know, Fanny Crosby, who wrote about visions of rapture bursting on her sight, was in fact blind. You see, she had a proper perspective. Stay with me right here. Instead of letting her blindness bind her with bitterness, she determined that her story and her song would be that of praising her Savior all the day long. I've come to tell somebody tonight that no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what you're facing in the morning, no matter what you're facing next week, it's all a matter of perspective. It's all a matter of understanding that there's somebody that's in charge that's bigger than you and me. 
I know many of you don't know, but there's some gray hair in here, and you'll know who I'm talking about. His name was Jimmy Durante. And uh, Jimmy Durante was doing a show for the World War II veterans. And he made it clear that he was going to slip in, do the show, and slip out because he had other commitments. And it said that as he did what he did, that when he got on stage, something interesting happened. He went through a monologue and then he stayed. The applause grew louder and he kept staying. And pretty soon he'd been on stage for 15 or 20 or 30 minutes and finally he took a last bow and left the stage. Backstage someone stopped him and said, I I thought you had to go after a few minutes. What happened? He said, I did have to go. But I can show you the reason I stayed. You can see for yourself if you look on the front row. He said in the front row were two men, each of whom had lost an arm in the war. He said together, everybody say together. Together they were able to clap. And that's exactly what they were doing, loudly and cheerfully. Please hear your bishop tonight. It's a matter of perspective. By themselves, they were limited. They had one hand each and could only give half applause. What are you saying, bishop? I'm trying to tell this church that together we have more power and ability and promise than anybody in the world. You may not be able to do what I do, and I may not be able to do what you do, but when we understand God with us together will cause us to be able to do greater things than we've ever accomplished in our lives. Come on, help me praise Him right now. You see, they were able to put their hands together. Listen to me. We've just gone through a year of conquer and or divide and conquer. Please hear me right now. They've tried to silence the voice of the church of the living God. But I would to God that somehow we could understand as the church that God is trying to pull us together to pool our ability together, to pool our prayer together, to pool our worship together, to pool our voice together so that the world understands uh, you're not going to silence us. You're not going to stop us. Come on, somebody. You're not going to push us into a corner. Because our perspective says, we don't lose, we win. Come on. I said, God doesn't lose. God wins. And if you're a child of God, you win. It's a matter of perspective. You see, when you put your individual situations in perspective then you decide to use whatever it is that might hinder you and couple it with someone else you'll find yourself being unlimited to be effective now the enemy would like for you to believe that somehow You don't have the potential to do that. And in fact, you may have limited potential. But your potential with someone else's potential. I'm preaching to some people who've been handicapped by a personal problem. The best you can hope for by yourself is half of your real potential. I want you to realize that it's a matter of perspective. 
rather than looking at your situation and convincing yourself that there is no use even trying. Look at the friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's by your side right now. Making up the difference for your inabilities. You know what the Bible says about that? If God be for us, who can be against us? Come on, I'm trying to help somebody here tonight. I know you came here feeling a little limited. You came here tonight feeling a little down because you've gone through some stuff in the last few days or weeks or months, but I've come to tell you it's a matter of perspective. God's got you. I said God's got you, and he won't let you go through anything by yourself. He just needs you to yoke up with him. Woo! God would like for you to understand tonight If you'll try, he'll make all things possible. In the flesh, you may see trouble, perplexities. But if you look through the Spirit, you'll see answers and victory. Turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, neighbor, it's a matter of perspective. The wise man wrote it like this. Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. You see, it doesn't really matter how you start. It matters how you finish. I, you know, I, I, I see folks sometimes really, I, I really can't understand how in the name of the Lord that anybody could backslide right now. I am I, telling you that whatever you're going through, don't quit. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't back up. Don't look back. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you, it's not how you got started. It's not even how you're doing in the middle of the race. What matters is how you finish. And you need to finish with your head held high and your hands lifted high and your voice lifted high to say, I am not defeated. I am victorious. Come on, somebody praise him. Come on, it's just how you look at it. The end of the thing is better than the beginning. I love these, I love these translations. Just, just give me a minute here. The English, today's English version says this, the end of something is better than its beginning. The NIV said the end of a matter is better than its beginning. But my favorite comes from the message, and this is what it says. Endings are better than beginnings. Sticking to it is better than standing out. My, my point is, is simply this. Things may look bad right now. But you need to look to the end. (laughs) Because when all is said and done, everything's going to be all right. Come on, I said everything's going to be all right. Woo! Listen, first thing you need to do is reach up and hit that remote. Just turn off all the mess that's going on in the world. Because whether you watch it or not, it's going to keep going on. 
but your perspective will change when you understand that the that the politicians aren't in control, world leaders aren't in control, the devil's not even in control. God is in control, and when he says it's over, my perspective is uh, I want my hand to be in his hand. I want my eyes to be upon him. The end of a problem, the end of a trial, the end of a sickness, they're all better than the beginning thereof. Rather than trying to stand out, just try to keep standing up. Sticking to it is better than standing out. Listen to me. I'm not trying to be insensitive here. But if if you're here tonight and you have some incurable disease, the best thing you can do is to keep your perspective where it needs to be. Don't lose out with God. Don't turn your back on God. Come on, don't, watch this, watch me right here. Don't take God out of the picture because obviously the doctors hadn't been able to heal you. The medicine hadn't been able to do its job. But let me tell you about my Jesus. Oh, he's able to create and he's able to recreate. He's a healer of all things. He can open blinded eyes. He can make the deaf to hear. He can make the lame to walk. He can heal cancer. Come on now. He can heal COVID. Uh, You're not going to help. It's a matter of perspective. Amen. That disease is not in charge of my body. God is in charge of my body. Woo! Man, oh man. It's a matter of perspective. Watch this. David, David understood this principle. It's why he writes in Psalms 126 and 5. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. You see, this is an important principle for you to remember as a child of God. If you'll just do what you know is right when things are tough, you will reap your reward with rejoicing. I, I feel something in the Holy Ghost right here. The devil has tried to get you to lose your joy because you've wept before God. But you better understand every tear that falls off of your cheek rolls down your face. Ah, it's a fertilizer to a blessing. Come on, you're not hearing me right now. I said it's a fertilizer to a blessing. Every tear that's hit the floor, God said, you just watch. You just wait. You keep your perspective right. You watch. I'm about to restore your joy. I'm about to give you peace in a circumstance that you hadn't been able to overcome. It's just a matter of perspective. It is well with my soul, he wrote. Horatio G. Spafford, a man of unusual intelligence and refinement, 
and a deeply spiritual man. A devoted student of the scriptures. A successful lawyer in Chicago, Illinois in the mid-1800s. Some months prior to the Chicago fire of 1871, he had invested heavily in real estate on the shore of Lake Michigan. And his holdings were wiped out by the Chicago fire of 1871. Just before that, he had experienced the untimely death of his son. And desiring a rest for his wife and four daughters, as well as wishing to join and assist D.L. Moody in one of his campaigns in Great Britain, Spafford planned a European trip for his family in 1873. In November of that year, due to unexpected last-minute business developments, he had to remain in Chicago, but sent his wife and four daughters ahead as scheduled on the SS Villa de Havre. He expected to follow in a few days. On November 22nd, the ship was struck by the Lockhearn, an English vessel, and sank in 12 minutes. Several days later, the survivors were finally landed at Cardiff Wells, and Mrs. Spafford cabled her husband two simple words, saved alone. Shortly afterward, he left by ship to join his wife. And it's speculated that on the sea near the area where it was thought his four daughters had drowned, he penned this text with words so significantly describing his own personal grief. When peace, like a river, attendeth my way, When sorrows like sea billows roll. Whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say. It is well. It is well with my soul. Are you hearing what God's trying to speak to you tonight? I'm telling you it's a matter of perspective in the midst of your greatest battle in the time of your unspeakable pain and dreadful loss if you have the right perspective you'll be able to say though Satan should buffet though trials should come let this blessed assurance control it is well It is well with my soul. I wish somebody shout to the Lord. It is well with my soul. It's a matter of perspective. Solomon reminds us. That the end of a thing is better than its beginning. When the time of testing or trial is in the beginning stages, all we can see is the trouble and the loneliness that we feel. But when the end of that thing comes, I said when the end of that thing comes, When you can look back and recognize the hand of God was on you through the whole thing. When you can understand you could never have survived it. You could never have made it through it without the hand of an almighty God. Come on somebody. I know it hurt. I know there was pain. I know there was heartache, but all the time, the hand of God was there lifting you up and girding you up and keeping you and protecting you and watching over you. It's a matter of perspective. God knows where you are. (laughs) 
Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. The end of a thing is better than the beginning. I, I just came here tonight. I just came here tonight to give you the proper perspective. I want you to be able to see the end of the trial while you're in the midst of it. Jesus was in the wilderness on the 40th day of fasting when Satan came to him and tempted him. Matthew 4 and 1 said, Jesus went into the wilderness. Now that was bad enough. But then it went on to say, he went into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Now, 40 days of fasting was enough. But now he's going into the wilderness. That's enough. But then it said to be tempted of the devil. And at this point, most of us would have been saying, how much worse could this get? Come on. I'm talking about perspective tonight. And so, the devil waited until the 40th day when Jesus was hungry to tempt him. And the first thing he tempts Jesus with is food. Imagine that. If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. You see, he was appealing to the lust of his flesh. In the second temptation, the devil appeals to the pride of life. He takes Jesus up into the holy city and set him on a pinnacle of the temple. And he said, now, let's really see who you are. If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. For it's written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up. Lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. So we have lust of the flesh, pride of life, and now the devil appeals to the lust of the eyes. This one's crazy to me. I mean, Satan had to have lost his ever-loving mind. he He takes him up there and he says, you see all this? You can have this. Now, the Bible doesn't say it, but I kind of got an idea that maybe Jesus said, you don't understand, I made this. He said, he said, if thou fall down and worship me. Watch this. In every temptation, Jesus quoted the word of God. Which is, Paul said, the sword of the Spirit. And so the devil left him and watch what happened. The angel showed up. What what are you you saying, Bishop? I'm trying to tell you that no matter what the devil's trying to throw at you or present to you, you just stick to the Word and keep your perspective right. And I'm telling you, the angels are going to show up and minister to you. It's just a matter of perspective. When Jesus came out of the wilderness, he went in full of the Holy Ghost. The Bible said he came out in the... Thank you, Sister Saint. Came out in the power of the Spirit. You see, the end was better than the beginning. Hunger... Thirst, overcoming temptation resulted in power and authority in the Holy Ghost. It's what, it's what the writer was saying when he said, resist the devil and he will flee from you. If we'll understand hell has nothing 
that we want. The world has nothing that we need. It seemed that from the very beginning of his life, Joseph was hated by his brothers. He was thrown in a pit to die. They sold him into slavery. He was tempted and lied on by Potiphar's wife. He spent time in a prison dungeon, forgotten and left to die. But in the end, somebody say in the end, he was made governor over all of Egypt and was made instrumental in saving his people. Betrayal, slavery, prison. But watch this. Watch, listen to me. Oh, God, I feel this. All of that put him in the right place at the right time. Oh, Bishop, you don't know what I'm going through. Oh, but I know what God's up to. God is positioning you. He's going to use you to be a blessing to somebody else. He's going to use you. He's going to use you to save somebody that needs saving. You just keep the right perspective. Everybody say right place, right time. He never complained. He never doubted God's plan for his life because he had the right perspective. I wish I could get somebody to believe me tonight. The end is better than the beginning. It's a matter of perspective. Jesus went to Calvary with the understanding and knowledge that the end of the thing is better than its beginning. He could endure the pain and the shame of the cross for the joy that was set before him. Through his death, His burial and His resurrection. He emerged from the tomb victorious over death, hell, and the grave. Watch this now. He went through everything that He went through on the other side. Not for Him. Uh, you, You missed that. I said it wasn't for Him. When He came out of that tomb, it was for you. I said when He rose from the dead. When he got the spear in his side, it was for you. Come on, somebody. The blood and the water ran together. Come on, he was wounded for my transgression. He was bruised for my iniquity. And with his stripes, we are healed. Come on, somebody. Everything that happened to him, somewhere in the back of his mind or deep down in his soul, He was saying, this is not for me. This is for my people. This is not for me. This is for my children. So you could be seated. He he endured all of that. And now he rejoices when you get victory. He rejoices when you get healed. He rejoices when your family repents and gets baptized and gets filled with the Holy Ghost. He went through all of that. It's a matter of perspective. You see, God could have kept Joseph out of prison. He could have kept Daniel out of the lion's den. He could have kept Jeremiah from being tossed into a slimy pit. God could have kept Paul from being shipwrecked three times. He could have. He's God. He could have kept the three Hebrew boys from being thrown in the fiery furnace. But he didn't. He let those problems happen. And every one of those persons were drawn closer to God as a result. 
They went down in the portals of world history as miraculous victors over the enemy. And today they serve as a reminder that if God did it for them. I said if God did it for them, He can do it again. I said He will do it again. I don't see anybody in danger of a fiery furnace in here or a lion's den. But whatever it is that you're going through, just keep the right perspective and understand if God did it then, He can do it right now. You just keep holding to the right perspective. Praise God. In the beginning... There was always pain and suffering. But in the end, there's power. If I could paint a picture for you like this. You know, most everybody in here has a cell phone. And uh, you look at your cell phone and you can see that that battery level is kind of getting low. And you understand that. If you don't do something, it's not going to do what it was intended to do. So you plug it in. And when you plug it in, the power doesn't recede, but the power increases. So what are you saying? I'm trying to tell somebody God's got you plugged in right where he's got... Right where he's got you right now, he's got you plugged in. And your power's not leaving. Your power is increasing. And one of these Sunday mornings or Sunday nights, you're going to come out of that seat. You're going to come out of that seat full of power, full of the Holy Ghost. You're going to worship God. And say, that trial couldn't stop me. That test couldn't keep me down. Come on, somebody. I've got the right perspective. I'm not in charge. Hell's not in charge. God's in charge. And he won't let me be defeated. Well, Bishop, what if I die? That all hell has? Somebody said it like this. I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord. I'll have a new life. What if, what if you don't make it through this one? Keep your perspective right. Because on the other side, there's peace, joy, No more sorrow, no more pain, no more saying goodbye, come on, no more trouble, no more trial, but in the meantime, just stay plugged in and keep the right perspective because God is powering you up for something bigger than you. Come on, somebody clap your Ah, hallelujah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to quit here. Watch this. Everybody wants to be a warrior, but nobody wants to fight in the war. There are no warriors without a war. There are no mariners without a storm. There are no there is no rainbow until the rain. There's no sunrise without the darkness of night. Somebody needs to hear you bishop tonight. There is no such thing as a Christian without a personal crucifixion. The closer to Calvary, 
the fewer people there were following Jesus. Watch now. Just, just listen to me right here. If you want to experience abundant life with Him, you'll have to pick up your cross daily and follow Him. I'll close with one of our favorite Bible characters who had the ultimate test and trial. In one day, he lost everything he owned, his children and their families. He's stricken with boils. Anybody ever had a boil? You don't have to raise your hand. Painful, infectious, oozing boils. He's sitting up on a heap of ashes, scraping the pus and blood away with a broken piece of pottery. His wife, maligned as she has been, Perhaps she's not the mean old witch that we've often made her out to be. But she comes into the room where her husband is sitting upon the ash heap. And no doubt she's overcome with compassion and dread. We don't like to see anybody that we love suffer or hurt. He is merely a shadow of the man that she married because of the devastation that's racked their home. His health is gone. His wealth is gone. And their children are dead. In fact, in Job's words... Job 16 and 16. Throw that up there for me, Shiloh. I want you to look at what Job says. 16 and 16 of Job. My face is foul with weeping, and on my eyelids is the shadow of death. He's pretty desperate. And with compassion, she looks at her husband and concludes that the best thing for Job to do is go ahead and curse God and die. Get it over with, she says. In the pain and misery by speaking negatively into the situation. And so she verbalizes her thoughts. Why don't you just curse God and die? And I see Job as he gives consideration to her statement and suddenly realizes a principle. Hear me. If he can curse God and die, then perhaps the opposite is true. I said if he could curse God and die, perhaps the opposite is true. He could praise him and live. I'm trying to help somebody. It's a matter of perspective. You can blame God. You can blame people. You can blame your circumstance or you can make up your... You can die in that. Or you can lift your hands and your voice to God and you can live. So he said, listen, you speak foolishly. Your reasoning as a child would. I won't curse God and die. I'm going to bless the name of the Lord and live. Could it be? I, I'm winding down. Just Could it be that Job understood the principle that would be written hundreds of years later? Take it for what it's worth, but I believe that Job understood that the endings 
are better than the beginnings. And realizing that the end of a thing is better than its beginning, he knew he had nowhere to go but up. Oh, from here, everything's about to get better. And Job said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked I shall return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord had taken away. Blessed. stop there he continues blessing God I won't go through it all but chapter 12 said he he said old men have wisdom but God has wisdom and power when God tears down who can rebuild and who can free the man God imprisons drought comes when God withholds rain floods come when he turns water loose God is strong and always victorious. Both deceived and deceiver are in his power. He takes away the wisdom of rulers and makes leaders act like fools. Boy, are we ever experiencing that? He dethrones kings and makes them prisoners. He humbles priests and men of power. He silences men who are trusted and takes the wisdom of old men away. He disgraces those in power and puts an end to the strength of rulers. He sends light to places dark as death. He makes nations strong and great, but then he defeats and destroys them. Somebody shout yes. I wish I could convince somebody here tonight. It's all a matter of perspective. I wish I could make you believe that the endings are better than beginnings. And that sticking to it is better than standing out. I want you to tell somebody for me. I know I'm telling them and I know i got a louder voice than you right now. But I want you to tell somebody for me right now. Neighbor, put your problems in perspective. I recently came across a video, a little clip. It was a gentleman who was a famous composer and pianist. He was about to do a concert in one of the great concert halls in America. Black tuxedos, long evening dresses, high society extravaganza. And somewhere in the audience, there's a little nine-year-old boy that wouldn't sit still. His mama did all she could to try to calm him, try to hold him down. And then it happened. Mama got distracted for a minute, and that little nine-year-old boy bolted. He didn't go to the exit. He went to the stage. There was something about that big black grand piano that had an attraction to him. He slides up on the stool in front of that piano and he begins to play chopsticks. I can play chopsticks. Well, I used to be able to. So, this master... Pianist is backstage, and there are people that are going crazy. Get that boy away from there. What is he doing? Somebody stop him. Where's his mama? And backstage, there's a master that's getting ready to change the scene. He grabs his coat. And he rushes toward the stage. And without one word of announcement, 
he stooped over behind the boy, reached around his sides, and began to improvise a counter melody to harmonize and enhance chopsticks. And the two of them played together. Paderewski kept whispering in the boy's ear, Keep going. Don't quit. Keep on playing. Don't stop. Don't quit. Can I tell somebody it might look like the stage of your life is all messed up. But wait just a minute. The master's about to show up. The master's about to put his arms up. He's about to put his arms around you. And he's going to change the sound of your tune. Stand with me. It's a matter of perspective. We hammer away on our projects that seem as significant as chopsticks in a concert hall. But the master leans over. The master leans over and says, don't quit. Don't quit. Keep playing. I'm about to make you sound better than you've ever sounded in your life. I'm about to make you look better than you've ever looked in your life. But you've got to understand, it's not about what you can do. It's what I can do with you. just a matter of perspective can I tell somebody don't stop now just keep on keeping on don't quit from God's perspective the end will be better than the beginning I want to tell somebody that you have a God Who has declared, the heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. And I'm telling you, he sits high and looks low and he's got the best seat in the house. And from where God sits, he can see the end from the beginning. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord. Tell somebody you're going to be all right. Lord Jesus, right now, I'm asking you to touch the eyes, the hearts, the minds, the lives of every individual under the sound of my voice right now. God, help us to understand that it's all a matter of perspective. God, if we see it through your eyes, we'll understand that there's nothing that can defeat us. There's nothing that can keep us down. There's nothing that can back us up because, God, you are in control. Let us walk out of this place tonight understanding that we might not win today. We might not win tomorrow, but we are going to win because you are a victorious God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God bless you. We love you. We appreciate you. Don't forget to pray tomorrow night. Pull your family around you and pray and say, let's let's get a right perspective on the kingdom of God. Go in Jesus' name. See you Sunday.